0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms
1: and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks.
1: Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. I'm Paul Doolan, joined on the phone this week by Dave Watson. Hello, Dave. Hello, Paul. You were much more enthusiastic before you started recording. <laughs> Let's belt this one out,
0: you said, and now it's yeah. like, "Hello, welcome to the Newcastle fucking natter."
1: Again. You can't, oh. you can't start at eleven. <laughs> you got to build no. up the usual natter crescendo.
0: Oh, I didn't know you were a superstar, did not I? Knowing all about how to
1: balance you know, a good a good craft. podcast is basically like Bohemian Rhapsody. You start slow, and you build to the oh, headbanging. Okay. You know this, excellent. Dave. How are you?
0: I'm all right, mate. I'm, I was saying to you before, just uh, annoyed with work not getting their jobs done properly so I can get everything that I want to get finished, finished.
1: Oh. But,
0: you know, hell is other people. It's true. Speaking of hell, speaking of you yeah, I was trying it?
1: to avoid going into the football. <laughs> I didn't actually manage to see it, which I, I was quite pissed off about at the time, but has come as a bit of a relief because I did not mm. miss much. Newcastle, oh. nil, West Ham, three. I'm guessing exactly. you saw it, or we're, yeah. we're buggered. Yeah, no, it was It was one of those Saturdays where um,
0: I didn't actually have anything to... like. Any, I didn't have any friends staying. I wasn't going anywhere. We didn't have any plans. So I thought, lovely Saturday, three o'clock kick-off, watch it on a stream, settle down, cup of tea. Fuck me. I would have preferred to be in Ikea. Yeah. I really would have been... <laughs> It was awful. It was genuinely... It's one of the worst performances I've seen under Benitez.
1: This is the weird thing, because I'm only going from match of the day and from the highlights. We looked to create a few fairly decent chances. No, we really did.
0: It's quite odd, because
1: we've had plenty of games this season where we've created nothing.
0: Yeah. I know what you're saying. But this was... I think this was... um... So in the games where we've created nothing, you can see what we're trying to do. You know, we're we're, we're executing a plan and the chances just aren't there because either the opposition's um, too good to allow us to get a really good opportunity or we're not creating the, the opportunity because our players lack the ability to do that. This was where we were shit at the back like really poor defensively for the first time in I can't remember how long I was gonna
1: say just um, after we're going on about how great the depth we've got at the back is apart from left back yeah.
0: and right back and, and up front um, Rondon he, you know he didn't have a, a terrible paces game, he,
1: Solomon Rondon
0: <laughs> <laughs> he um he didn't he didn't put away the, the opportunities that did come his way and he had a, a couple of Decent chances, um, and he just didn't put them away. Perez was profligate. Perez had a good number of opportunities, and either because he lacks the ability, which we've spoken about at length, or because he was, I don't know, lacking in confidence. Mm. He just was snatching at them. It was He was just... really, really poor. I'm, I'm usually one to defend Perez, because I think he gets a lot of snaggers is perhaps uncalled for. But this game, he, his, his failings were laid bare.
1: Yeah, the tricky Which thing really with bad. Perez, I think, is he's like a an extremely low-budget version of Raheem Sterling, where he'll miss a lot of decent chances, but he'll, his positioning is good enough to get him into those chances where others wouldn't.
0: Well, the, the, the comparison I was going to make, um, because it's pertinent, was Chicharito, good old Fernandez, yeah. little P. Because... He um operating in a similar way to Perez, you know, busy looking for the second ball, looking for the looking to occupy spaces in between the lines and between the defenders and stuff. He, he found those spaces, and when the opportunities came to him, he, he put them away. And he just looked sharper and better. But then he cost West Ham 16 million quid and Perez cost us 1.5. I actually looked at the front four, like the attacking players of both sides. So yes. you had them um, like Rondon, Perez, Kennedy and Ritchie uh, versus uh, Hernandez, Anderson, Arnautovic and Snodgrass. That That front four of West Ham cost them £87 million.
1: Pounds. Jesus. Nothing that valuable should have something... That sounds as bad as Snodgrass in.
0: <laughs> he was he was the worst of that bunch. Yeah, to be to be honest. But then, I mean, Anderson got man of the match. Um, on the you know on the, on the websites on on BBC and stuff like that. Um but then he, he cost thirty six million pounds, which is more than twice what our it's nearly three times what our entire attacking lineup cost. On so had a quiet game. But he still was able to affect the play. But then he cost twenty, twenty-five million quid.
1: Yeah, I think that's never really been the issue with West Ham before. They've always been fairly inconsistent. They seemed pretty defensively solid for the first time. It's a shame. I quite enjoy well, beating West Ham when we normally do. Yeah, it's,
0: it's it's normally something we can rely on to enjoy. But I tell you, like speaking of their defense, they've got. I think I mentioned it in the previous podcast. They've got two two uh, new defenders. Um Balbuena and Diop and those two were were superb. Um I know we had opportunities. It's that weird thing where we had opportunities, but I don't think it was their fault. I think they had good games. I just think that um perhaps their the West Ham fullbacks didn't have particularly good games. Mm. Um and that's where our opportunities came from. I was gonna ask you, um I know you didn't uh, see the game, but from what you've read and the um and the uh like what you've what you've seen. I've on seen the highlights. The highlights but yeah, yeah. So I, my position is, I think that Benitez got it wrong tactically. Um,
1: well, let's go through because so it's four four two again, wasn't it? But with Mankio at left back, is that right? With Clark yes. dropped. Yeah, it seemed odd to drop Clark after the game he had last week.
0: I know, but then the last week we were playing with five at the back. Or yeah. three at the back, whichever you want to do. I think I think there is there is an argument that at home against a mid-table club who at the t- you know before kickoff Newcastle United were above West Ham in the table. Um there is an argument that made that you can't you can't be that defensive at home. But like you said uh, in the previous um podcast, we,
1: we seemed more attacking, you know, mm. more more positive. Um we're definitely I, I more in control. I think in terms of Rafa's tactics, probably yes. He's always he's the first one to always bang on about his blanket and like if you if you pull it up too high, then your feet are cold, if you pull it down too low, your head's cold. Mm. And it it looks like we were just too open and playing too high. I think yeah. we actually underrated West Ham, which to be fair is what we've we've had good reason to over the past few seasons. Yeah, they were you, they were a much more dangerous team than I was expecting.
0: Yeah, and I, I honestly thought that them the centre of their midfield, uh, Noble and Rice, I thought that was definitely somewhere that we could uh, impose ourselves. Again, on again,
1: that's such a missed opportunity for a pairing that uh, you'd get your scouts out looking for Curry, looking for <laughs> pea. Well, they got Rice and Little pea. That should have yeah. been <laughs> wasted. <laughs> what are these managers thinking of, Dave? Oh,
0: they're they're just not. That's the they're problem. just all about they're results. Not they're not about yeah. nurturing
1: good punning partnerships.
0: I mean, we we should find somebody called Locke to play in the centre alongside yeah. Lock and Lock
1: and Shelby. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it.
0: But um, the one of the players that we, you know, were effusive in our praise for last time was um, Fernandez, and he had a bad game. He really did. And I think Dubravka had another bad game.
1: Um, yeah, he made one decent save and then conceded a goal at the exact same <laughs> opportunity. Yeah. It's an odd one.
0: I don't know. I'm I, I just not.
1: It, it's a bad day at the
0: office. Mm. And Everyone seems to have
1: one, like you say, as well, which is unusual exactly. for us. And we never, yeah. we very, very rarely concede or lose by more than two goals. No, it reminded um, me a bit of the Watford game last season, where it just seemed to come out the blue. Everyone had a shit game, and you just have to sort of move on.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, we've the the one thing that Newcastle United can't afford is for like footballers we say, like, can't afford football <laughs> no. for everybody to have a bad game. We can we can handle it if if Perez and Rondon don't have a great game. It's fine as long as the centre halves and the full-backs do their job. And if the midfield are having an off game, it's fine as long as Perez and Rondon and the centre backs do their good good job. Yeah, but just nobody had a good game. Um, I mean, we could we could pull apart the. I think I think you have to say that two of their goals were on the counter attack. So perhaps that gives them... like the three nil was perhaps generous to them because I I don't know if they were. I don't know if they were three goals better
1: than us on the, on the day. Yeah, 3-0 seemed generous. We created more chances, but still, it felt like a big step backwards. After the mm-hmm. the last four games, we've had 10 points. I didn't, It's not so much the result, it's the performance. Yeah, the performance was really concerning. Um, I'm not even annoyed, I'm just disappointed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, That'll brought make on me feel bad. No, not at all. Uh, we we brought on Shelby, we brought on Hossley, and we brought on Atu, but they're not they're not players of sufficient quality to to really impact that kind of game. You know, if, if we I'd say
1: Shelby that... probably is, but again, I'm basing that on Old West Ham, where he basically tore them apart that one time.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think he. But I know what you needs, mean. He needs like a good forty-five minutes to really impact a game. I don't think he can do it in the in the brief time that he yeah. actually got.
1: And from what I saw so, and from what I've read, our biggest problem wasn't shell; it wasn't key and the Basically no. full backs, wing backs, centre backs, strikers. <laughs> everyone around them. <laughs> they were fine.
0: Yeah. Um I mean I I'm not gonna go any further into that game, I don't think I don't think No, there's...
1: I think the only other thing to talk about in that game, which moving on to that, is the the walk in on 11 mm-hmm. minutes, the protest. Because it's. I've seen quite optimistic Newcastle fans on Twitter saying, oh, it went brilliantly and it's just what we needed. But watching from TV, you couldn't really notice. It didn't seem. It actually seemed more populated than a lot of Man City games I've seen this season. Yeah. Which think... may be them boycotting Sheikh Mansoor. But it was very hard to spot. any noticeable difference
0: even even if there were like if you had 500 to 1,000 which is the estimated population of the people who actually did the late walk in, if you had 500 to 1,000 people standing outside in one concentrated block, singing and chanting and and protesting the the ownership and stuff like that uh, it would look more noticeable but if you think of a I mean, it was a fifty. I mean, near as damn it full house. It was like 51, 51 and a half, wasn't it I think. Yeah, if you've got fifty odd thousand, and there's five hundred people walking in late, you, you can't tell. Cause no, they're not all in one block. They're not all sitting together. It's not, and they didn't come in. It's basically one percent. Yeah, it's not. It's not enough. The there is a. I thought it was um, I thought it was ill-timed that when they were coming in, there were jeers and um, there were anecdotes of of the fans who were coming in late being abused by other fans, telling them you know you should have been here to support the team and all that kind yeah. of thing. I think that was bad timing because had had Newcastle been one nil up, nobody would have cared. If Newcastle was still nil 0 Nobody would have
1: cared, but but I think the thing about our Chicharito fan base is they will the always minute. they'll always find a way to argue amongst yeah. themselves. I think there's plenty of fans who in previous seasons, if if the opposition team had scored in the seventeenth minute, they'd have said that's because of you lot clapping for that minute.
0: <laughs> I just yeah, I think it's bad. I think I think what they're trying to do is good. Uh, it got um, it got you know national attention yes yeah. good I'd question it, how
1: effective it is at the moment but then it's not going to be from the first thing they do
0: no I mean the the, the main the main push seems to be the the proposed boycott of wolves
1: yes um, the which, the team not the animal
0: yes yeah we, we want to nothing clarify. to do with any Lupin um, the it's it's that as we said about the the like the late walk-in, had it come on the back of a few losses, there may be more would have stood outside for 11 minutes. Yeah. If we If we're beaten by Everton and we go into the Wolves game, two losses on the bounce and not looking terribly rosy in the table, there may be more. Fans stay away. Yeah,
1: it seems it seems odd to go from the walk-in to then the next week do the boycott because it's the problem that seems to have come from the walk-in is it slightly undermines the boycott now. If you were a fan who was on the fence about boycotting after the walk-in and hearing about fans getting abuse on the way in, that might tip quite a few people into not doing it. It's sort of weakened the hand by trying to do a a smaller version beforehand. I take your point. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with it. I think think it's still worth trying, because it's better than doing nothing. I think the
0: the biggest problem, the active um, fans pushing for the protests, pushing for the boycotts, the biggest problem they have is that they exist on Twitter and social media, Mm -hmm. and they think that the vociferous reaction that they get to... These proposed actions on that those platforms, it convinces them that it's more popular than it perhaps is. I don't know if you're if if 50% of the the um, the Newcastle fan base are particularly active on Twitter. I I don't know, but you'd need at least 50% of the match-going fan to stay away for it yeah. to be deemed.
1: A, a, a true success. Even so like getting... five thousand would be a success, I think, for the boycott.
0: I think it could was... be, but, but that's still that's that's ten percent, and that's I mean what you'll what you'll hear spun is well ninety percent of the fan base still supported the the team. Rafa Benitez has always been calling for you know we need the support on the from the stands because every little bit helps, and the, those against the the protests will point to the first 11 minutes and say well if you'd been there maybe we would have started better which is ridiculous but yeah. you know that these are, these are, these are For things. those 11
1: minutes we were drawing it was only after that that the <laughs> that we were losing so really the boycott or well, the not Hang walking on. in was actually <laughs> a good thing for the team You're using the rude hollett defence Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sexy protests
0: No went, You must remember the, the Sunderland game He said that um, Oh
1: where well, and Ferguson Won be, the bench
0: Before he brought Sheeran Ferdinand, uh, Ferguson On Newcastle um, Were Drawing
1: So yeah. Maybe
0: he was it's, right Maybe, maybe, maybe we should never have got rid of him and enjoyed Champions League football. Yeah, obviously.
1: or maybe the walk-in had no effect on the result, and people no. would think it did oh, whatsoever. Slightly and, insane.
0: And the point of these protests are to maintain pressure on Mike Ashley. Yes, and I think you have you. It'd be hard to say that it hasn't impacted him because he's been because of the mounting pressure on him and his. His one true love, Sports Direct. You've seen him coming to games. You've seen him. Um, well, you saw he was interviewed yesterday on Sky News. Yes, which we'll um, talk about in a in a bit.
1: Okay. That's... Do you want to talk about something else for a bit, or do you want to? Uh, was um. that, I was done with the protest because I? I think no, the other we... thing to say about it is the timing was slightly unfortunate that we were in a good run of form, but also. If you're looking at us historically, it feels like the best time to try and organise anything where you need a mass sort of percentage of the fan base to do anything. Surely save it for just after the transfer window when we're we're traditionally very angry. So I think the, the Magpie group have had some very good ideas and they are getting to Mike Ashley through yeah. other means and bringing it into the stadium when there's such loyalty to Rafa and him calling for unity in the stands—it's—it's it's the hardest way to mobilise everyone. Mm. I, think, I think they've just chosen I, I a very difficult way to go about it, but then they've chosen a way to go about it. So that's more yeah, than I've done.
0: You can't you can't fault either their um, endeavour, and you can't fault their end game. But I think there needs to be a realisation that for a lot of their a lot of their plans, it. it Relies on a greater, a greater support from the, the fan base as a whole than they're currently enjoying, and part of that is apathy. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of fans who go to the game on on a Saturday, and that's all they care about. Um, they'll be angry that Mike Ashley isn't spending more money. They'll be angry that you know we haven't got the players on the pitch that we we'd like, but not angry enough to stay away from the ground. They're not angry enough to. I mean, you've seen some of the some of the um, boycotts you see in Italy and stuff, where there is literally an empty stadium.
1: Yeah, in um, Germany did, at the moment, they seem very good yeah. across the league. But I guess eleven years, there's inevitably going to be apathy. If someone shits I, I, on your doorstep yeah. every day for eleven years, you're not going to be furious every morning. No. You just be resigned no. to it. <laughs> You'd probably install a CCTV camera and try get to the bottom of it. And that's why we have think, to take action.
0: I, th- I think you'll... The, when you'll see true fan action is at the end of the season when I, I really do believe that unless we have a new owner between now and then, Benitez will go. Yeah. And and if he goes and, you know, it, when it isn't replaced Immediately by somebody impressive, you'll see the fans stay away. But I don't think it'll be a boycott. I think they'll just
1: yeah stop going. I also think you'll have if that does happen, this momentum does build to getting Ashley out. You'll have about thirty thousand people saying they were they were one of the five hundred who didn't walk in during oh, that of game. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. We'll move on. I think we need to take a quick break for adverts. After that, though, we'll discuss. Mike Ashley's appearance on the news and just what that means for whether we should or shouldn't be ripping our cocks off. <laughs> Newcastle Natter is lubricated by Watten is Pale Ale.
0: Watten is Pale Ale. The Newcastle Natter beer of the month.
1: The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome back to the Newcastle Natter after that brilliant message, which if uh, if it still goes the way it did before, seems to bizarrely have I do like to be beside the seaside in it. Yeah. Well,
0: it's because we don't have a, a a theme tune so that's now our theme
1: tune. I'll book us some studio time, Dave. Can you play an instrument? Yeah. Uh. Will Dennis walk a them, string. In? Oh God. <laughs> It's the second half. It's going to get blue. That's what yeah. happens in this game. <laughs> right. Mike Ashley appeared yeah. on Sky News. So I think he was up before mm. Parliament and then that seems to be the only way he ends up talking directly to anyone. And he seemed to imply, from what I've seen, that we are quite far along the way in terms of selling the club. Yeah. So what he
0: said is that um, he's hopeful that um, before January transfer window, uh, he'll be able to, quote, step aside. And um, that'll be because he wants what's best for the club, what's best for the fans.
1: No one's ever um, doubted that. No. <laughs> <laughs> We've always thought Ashley just wants what's best for Newcastle. Um, the He did say
0: that because uh, the... I'm hesitant to say interviewer because he was getting you know softball questions because it's sky and he, the, the guy where do you get your
1: wonderful ideas Mike <laughs>
0: yeah. um, he, the, the like the journalist bloke said um do you think it's realistic uh and he said, realistic's a strong word. I mean, it's not. Realistic is not a strong word. No. He said it's, it's
1: possible. Inevitable is a strong word. If yeah. you're saying yeah. it could well be sold before Christmas. It's, realistic it's, applies sort of 50-50 chance.
0: Yeah. So realistic, the, the, there'll be a new owner. Um, so obviously Twitter went crazy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who immediately discounted it. And um, you know, justifiably so, they said it's never going to happen. It's purely to put um, put kibosh on the proposed protest at Wolves.
1: Fool me sixteen um, times, shame on me. Basically,
0: yeah. Uh, then there was another group who uh, who said, "Well, I've had a look online on." A i don't know sky scanner oh, website and there's a hedge fund that's landing in newcastle tomorrow and they've got a car to take them to st james's park and so how's uh, that mark on douglas... sky scanner oh it's not it's
1: um, not a flying car
0: <laughs> so uh mark douglas has, uh works at the even chronicle up there he said that um He's been in touch with this particular hedge funders. They're called Franklin Templeton. Um, he's been in touch with them, and there is the, the quote is that there is no truth in that whatsoever. Um, so put that in your you know. And are these the people
1: here. that own the Atlanta football team? No. They? So
0: that's uh, the guy who owns Atlanta United is a chap called Arthur Blank. Uh, he made his money from Home Depot. He's one of the co-founders of Home oh, Depot, right. which is a U S, um, uh, B and Q, um, you know, DIY store thing. Um, he's worth just under 5 billion quid. And, um, he does want to increase his, uh, his sports franchise, you know, empire. Um, but again, according to Mark Douglas, uh, there's no truth in that. Uh, uh. Like a represent a media representative has said, there's you know no interest.
1: Well, even or- if there were interest in it, you would expect it to be straight battered and be told no. Because the thing you're told about takeovers is you don't hear about it or publicise it until it's happened, which makes Mike Ashley saying it's going to happen insane. Yeah. Especially if the you if I- you consider how he got on his high horse about Amanda Staveley leaking details of her bid whether it was a genuine one or not this seems like a very bizarre move it's almost tempting to think this is just a PR exercise to take the heat off him and or justify not spending anything in the transfer window
0: absolutely and the other the other part of that is it could be um, an attempt to Smoke a few more interested parties um, from the long grass uh, I think that 's an incredibly naive way to yeah. try and get people because
1: if we I are quite time... naive at doing that though because not too long ago we had stories coming out that were clearly from mike Ashley 's p r people saying that some very big Chinese people were interested yeah. in buying the club at the time when Chinese investors were almost being forced to stop pumping money. Into foreign leagues. If
0: if I were a a billionaire interested in buying a Premier League football club, and some fat oaf was on TV saying that, almost breaking the the unwritten rule that you don't talk about the deal until it's done, if he's, I don't want to do business with him. He can't keep his mouth shut. Yeah. So. It's like, I'm not a retail genius. I'm not a
1: businessman. Hey, um, don't be like... too hard on yourself, Dave. <laughs> but if I know that, how the fuck doesn't he know that? I think he's quite thick. Seems I think to he be he's a like... moron.
0: Um, however, all that said, both Mark Douglas and Luke Edwards of The Telegraph have said that they've also heard stories about interested parties and that talks are in a... F- um, a more. They have progressed a lot further than ever before. Yeah. Um, but they held off reporting on it because they've heard it all before. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean something's happening. It just means that that's what they've heard. They could have heard that because it's been put out as rumor by, you know, sources close to Mike Ashley who is trying to drum up interest. Or at least drum up the appearance of interest, so that he can fail to back yeah. Rafa Benitez in the January window. Um, I don't know, but hey, if it happens, everybody will be pleasantly surprised. If it doesn't happen, nobody will be shocked. Nobody will be surprised. And I think if if Rafa's not backed in January, he's got every you know he's well within his rights just to tell Mike Ashley to stick it and should he leave any proposed actions, any proposed boycotts and stuff later in the season, post Benitez post disappointing January window, I think will be well supported and be, there will be much more people willing, not willing to forgo the, the pleasure
1: of St. James's park on a Saturday with Mark using charge. I think we're both on the same page. We really want this to be true this time, but it, it's, it's so hard to get your hopes up because I remember not too long ago, us doing a pod where for all we knew and had been told it was definitely happening and yeah. he, he was going to be gone. And once you, once you've got to that point mentally and then had to step back, it's very difficult to go there again.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I think, I mean, everything that I've read on, on Twitter and, and... A few other places, nobody's buying it. Nobody, you know, nobody's buying it. One hundred percent. There's a few idiot um, people trying to seem like they're in the know, saying that they've this hedge fund's got a transport to St James's Park and all the rest of it. But they don't. They they don't know anything because it's since been proven that. Well, it's since been stated by the very people they're saying are coming that there's absolutely no truth in it. Some excuse me. Somebody actually said that. Um, if you've got a private plane and you're landing at the airport, you don't you don't need to register uh, or something like that. And the I other love
1: how football rumours make everyone oh, an aviation expert as well. Suddenly,
0: oh man! And also, we we've all become
1: financial
0: financially more aware. We yeah. know the rules of SFP. We know the rules of tax. It's like no, we fucking don't. I
1: we think the only clue. even if even if there is real cause for optimism and the talks are quite far along, I think there's still big stumbling blocks, especially when it comes to dealing with Mike Ashley. He's not going to want to give up Sports Direct advertising in the ground. There's going to be mm. some weird negotiation over that. And there's still the, I think is it the HMRC case? Because that's still not been settled.
0: Oh, it hasn't been settled, but I don't think that's a huge concern for the for the, for the the. People who, for anybody with enough money to buy a football club, the kind of fine, the kind of, here I am talking like I'm a tax expert, and I promise you I'm not, but just from the conversations I've had with a couple of journalists, the the conversations that they've had with tax experts, the kind of fine or censure or whatever that Newcastle United would receive for falling foul of these tax tax evasions, um, it wouldn't put them off. It's not. It's not big enough. You know, it's small peanuts yeah. uh, to, to something like that. And it's, it's also it's something that um, may well be that the individuals that were involved um, are held liable rather than the the institution. So you you might see that agents and um, people working on behalf of Newcastle United Football Club are held liable. Um and the club itself might get a fine for negligence or
1: or whatever. Well, it, we deserve it, it one. Be, but it's it, not yeah, the first yeah, time we we'd have deserved one. But Absolutely. either way, with but that, we, let's let's go with healthy optimism. We well, all I was going to say is that we wouldn't get like uh we wouldn't get
0: like punishment from the FA. Or we wouldn't get a points like
1: deduction or anything.
0: No, no. we might get fined for bringing the game into disrepute, but we wouldn't get a, a because it's, it's not egregious.
1: Ah, good to know. But I think let's let's try and be optimistic for a little bit because we've just been thumped by West Ham. We need, well, we need something in the, in the, to cling to. And it's the first so in, time Ashley's actually been this direct about it and it's actually come yeah. from him.
0: So, okay, from, from a position of optimism, say Arthur Blank owner of the Atlanta United football team and the Atlanta Falcons NFL team.
1: And most 1940s cockney-sounding man ever. Yourself <laughs> a blank. A blank. <laughs> he, he, um, he buys the club on Friday.
0: That's it. Locks stock the lot. He owns everything. What do you see happening in January? Because this is a guy worth $4.7 billion. He owns a football club in the US. One of one of the players that plays for that team at the minute is somebody that we've been. Is this um, Almeron? This is Almeron, Miguel Almeron, who's a Paraguayan attacking midfielder. Scored a few goals, created a few chances. Is
1: apparently our scouts are out there, well, either watching or trying to negotiate a deal for Mm -hmm. him at the moment.
0: So. you know, this this is a guy who owns a football club with a good player, a couple of good players. Actually, there's another striker called Joseph Martinez. Anyway, so you've got this guy comes in on Friday. What do you rec? What what? Optimistically, what could you see happening in?
1: Well, this is in the New problem. America. My levels of optimism are so low supporting Newcastle that it would just be spending reasonable transfer fees on three players. So it'd be like a mm. sixteen million pound midfielder. I'd be like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how low we've got.
0: Well, I agree. I think it, it should it happen. Um I think the, the one of the first things you'd see is Benitez signing a longer deal. Not yeah. how long it would be, but a longer deal. Um I'd expect if it was if it was blank, I wouldn't be surprised to see um Almiron join at a a, a reasonable price you know 16, 18 million pounds. I think also we'd spend a bit of money because we've got a bit of money to spend
1: um, yeah. already be- but I,
0: before his I don't think I'd want
1: in. us to see like a man city when they just signed oh, I don't think we could. and Alana no, no,
0: I don't like for a few reasons I, I wouldn't eat, whomever um you know is to follow Mike Ashley I can't imagine anybody doing that. I just I, I think that the game is the, the game is like it, it's swinging back on that pendulum away from that kind of largesse.
1: To... I suppose the nearest recent example are Everton, where I mean they they sort of did it in a, a weird way because they seem to exclusively sign number tens. <laughs> but that, they pumped in a decent amount of money, which if they'd had the right manager at the time, would have been a level to properly improve their squad. And you're seeing it now; they've got a decent manager that, mm. like the fruit, that is bearing fruit. I don't think it needs, it doesn't need to try and, it's not the case that you have to try and build a team of Galacticos to have an effect of a lot of money.
0: And I don't think you, I don't think Newcastle United would be able to, because when Man City did it, they started with Rubinho, and then they just added players that you or I would think are decent, they spent a lot of money on them, but they're decent, and then it's an improvement on improvement to the point now where they, where Man City can legitimately... You know, it's only really Real Madrid and Barcelona that would be ahead of them
1: um, yeah.
0: in, in the queue to sign the world's best player. Who would your most
1: um, optimistic level of signing be with the caveat that they're not allowed to be people that you know only through Football Manager? <laughs>
0: oh, because I was going to say... No, Freddie you do. ...Martinez uh, from... To Milan I, was gonna, no, I would say that you Would discuss- Gareth Bale
1: be too high a level for a <laughs> very rich team looking to make a statement?
0: See I think the, the, level of, the level of players that we've heard linked to us before players like Almiron players like
1: um, Haller, the, 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 the um, I've no idea who these people are Dave Oh he's a big, he's a big target Think optimistic um, anyway. oh, so in, for, Optimistic means players to, that people have heard of Okay. The, no uh, wonder to use kids. The, the, Place the for the Colo League. Colo is available for <laughs> one and a half million.
0: To play and um, to use the Premier League as an example.
1: Yes. Um,
0: I would say that the level of play that we could, like Newcastle and I could, could, could feasibly attract um, with a new owner and with the, the amount of...
1: You know, if we've been pumped people. with blanks millions...
0: Yeah, you could go to Man City and you could have a look at the 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 like the team below the, their first team. You, you know, you wouldn't of course you wouldn't be able to get like sane or anything like that, but could you try and get um uh I'm not the youth team. No, actually Man City's a bad example. It's a really bad example. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um like, I suppose you could go, you could look at Chelsea and you could try and sign... Um, like Loftus-Cheek like and that sort or, of level yeah, of Rude. Yeah. Yes, loftus is a good example. Um, you could look at, um, I suppose, West Ham. You could look at Declan Rice. You could have a look at... If um, uh, you go to uh, Bournemouth. Chalabar. Um, Bournemouth, you could probably get like Lewis Cook from Bournemouth. Um, from oh, Southampton, yeah. you could maybe convince... I don't know. Someone like James Ward-Prowse, maybe. If you, you know, if Southampton are struggling, um, Ryan Sessegnon from Fulham. If he threw enough money at, at Fulham, could he, could he convince him to join us for a couple of seasons?
1: Maybe? Yeah. Um, so even Sesse- at our most ambitious, we're still about the level of Everton, slightly below, maybe. Yeah, we'll it's, it's good stories. when you hear about how delusional Newcastle fans are. I think we should be just, we should be just paraded be out as the voice of just new think, I think Jay-
0: What about Jamie Curiton? I hear he's still scoring goals in the, <laughs> in the Southern Premier League. Shefki
1: Coochie, like- <laughs> he he's still knocking about. I just,
0: I think that, um, I mean, the, the roadmap to success is there for all to see in Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, Tottenham Hotspur have over the the last what six or seven years, is it is it really that short a period of time? Anyway, they've invested in youth, either their own in Harry Kane or who've up young talent like Delhi Ali. Yeah. They've signed players like Christian Eriksen, who's classy and has done the job. They've got and um, that you know they've got like Fethungin. They had um, they've You know they've they've consistently bought. Decent players and made them better. Um, and this, when they sold a player like Luka Modric or Gareth Bale, they sold them for big money to teams who are not their direct competitors. And they've done it so that they can—I mean, apart from, I suppose, Kyle Walker. But you know, they've they've replaced Walker with Kieran Trippier, who's yeah a very good right back. So there's the model. And what Spurs did is they inflated. I've said it before that they inflated that group of. Three or four, four or five pl- uh, teams at the very top of the league. Two of four or five, five or six top teams in the league, and that's that's how you do it. You make it so that that.
1: Yeah, I don't think you can top, do like you said before. You can't really do a Man City now and just splurge no. on.
0: Well, because sort of you're the no longer com-
1: players around the world.
0: No, because you, you're no longer competing with a a juggernaut in Man U plus a big spending, one big spending team and then you've got like Arsenal who never spent big really and tried to do it on the cheap and all the rest of it. The- so you could, you could blow past Arsenal either by just fucking buying their players or just buying players that they can't afford or they won't spend the money on. So you're only ever really competing with Man U, the juggernaut or Chelsea. Now you could go toe-to-toe with Chelsea because the only thing attracting players to Chelsea um at the time that Abramovich took over was the incredible amount of money that they were throwing around, so Man City could do that but now, for Newcastle to do that, you'd have to, we'd have to compete with two financial juggernauts in Chelsea and and Man yeah. City Liverpool who've quite shrewdly gone about their business, bought players who perhaps undervalued and who've gone on to, to, to shine I'm
1: going to have to cut you um, off here Dave, because I'm getting quite hungry Oh uh... I'm afraid. But let's agree, yes. You can't really buy your way into no. the top top level of the league in the way you used to. No. But we could do an Everton. Agree. And speaking of Everton, Dave, <laughs> we play them we're away at Everton tomorrow, probably today, as you, the Natal listener, is listening to it. Mm. Wednesday, it's a seven forty five kickoff. Yeah. And one which I am in no way optimistic about. No. We're gonna be without Matt Ritchie, who's picked up his fifth booking be suspended and if there's an Conversely, area we've not got much depth well I was going to say not we've sure. not got much depth but I do really want to see Jacob Murphy at the moment but I think that might be the case that we'll see him for a game or two and then think I really wish I hadn't seen Jacob Murphy for that game or two
0: well Paul Dummer is going to be a late fitness test um, as is Yoshinori Muto so oh,
1: I forgot what we had <laughs> Yeah, remember him. Um, the one who's really good at drawing fouls, as we've discussed earlier <laughs> before. We could, uh, what we could see
0: is a return to the um, five at the back that we saw against Burnley, and we saw work quite well, where you perhaps have Kennedy at left wing back if Domit isn't risked, or, yeah. or, or Manquillo, and then you have Kennedy and Perez up, uh, like behind Rondon. And I mean, LaSalle should be match fit. Shelby should be match fit because they were both on the bench against Lejeune
1: them. apparently is not far off being back as well. Yeah, I wouldn't... I, I you wouldn't want to risk him starting him, a game. I don't think we'll see him before January.
0: Wow. I, I I think it would be... It's just, it's not worth the risk in an area that we're quite well-stocked. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That he is the best one, but we're pretty well-stocked. It's not worth the risk. So, um, against Denverton, they they're a wing... They, you know, they they attack down the wings. So, I think maybe having more bodies between supply and Striker is a good idea. Um, they're good at set pieces. So they seem to play with throw.
1: Richarlison up on his own. Is that right? Because the the three centre back thing seems to be almost exclusively against like the very top sides away, or against sides that have got two big strikers. I, I not that it wouldn't necessarily this, work because I do think you're right we we do need to restrict their space because they're, they're a quick team as well they are
0: um, I'm just trying to I'm trying to remember who their who their striker is other than Richarlison I can't
1: well there's Tosin him. but he doesn't really get a game no he doesn't really um, Sigurdsson I um, guess plays in behind him I think yeah yeah, no, no,
0: no. Sigurdsson's definitely. Because
1: that's going to be a very up. packed midfield as well.
0: So, so, according to who scored, they play with essentially a 4 5 1 with um, Gomez and, Le- and Gay in the centre, with Walcott, Sigurdsson, and Bernard ahead of them, and Richarlison up front. So, But they do play, they do like to play down the flanks. So, yeah. five at the back against that attacking four I think is a good idea especially as we look so open against West Ham I think it would it behooves us to sit with five at the back and obviously sitting with five at the back means that if you want to uh, you could take off say you're chasing the game or for some reason where three goals up and you want to go for the jugular you could take off one of the defenders and bring yeah. on an attacker and you can. You've still got four at the back. You know. You don't have to do a lot of shuffling. So I think. I
1: think we'll switch. Well, I think we'll stick with the four-two-three-one and just play very favorite, deep yeah. and very defensively, and have basically the wingers playing as second fullbacks.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: A, hope for a chance on the counter attack. We can get Rondon's pace in behind <laughs> the Everton back line. What as long as he has a fifty metre head start. <laughs> Go on. Gives you a prediction uh two nil Everton, I think they're a very good team uh, yeah yeah i'm I'm gonna go one nil Everton yeah oh, we had a nice bit of optimism in the middle there
0: it was it was i mean it's been an optimism
1: yeah. sandwich with two thick slices of negativity slash realism either side <laughs> It's like jam, but in between two blocks
0: of rivevitata
1: yeah, yeah. They probably love that in Sweden. Idiots. Savages.
0: I Go on think, then, mate. Go I on, think that's
1: probably everything. But, uh, yeah, g- good luck to all of us in everything we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much for joining me, Dave Watson. Thanks again, Paul. And thank you to you, the Newcastle litan... Uh, oh, God, I can't even talk. I need to eat, Dave.
0: Oh,
1: right. It's the meltdown. Thank you very much, everyone. Unless you didn't enjoy it, you can go fuck yourselves. Uh, thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> this is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts visit
0: playbackmedia.co.uk.
1: The Newcastle Nutter is back for the season by Labrooks. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?